0: Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On this episode, I talk with Caitlin Parker, who is the former assistant coach with the University of Connecticut Women's Hockey Program. We talk about her playing career, how she honed her leadership skills, as well as developing the culture and identity of the UConn Huskies Women's Hockey Program. Please note that we recorded this episode prior to the announcement that Caitlin was leaving UConn to join the new Seattle Kraken franchise as a youth player development coach back in her home state of Washington. Before we get to our guest, if you enjoyed this episode and want us to keep making more of them, please share it with teammates and friends. You can also subscribe, like, follow, and even better, it would be great if you would leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I'm very excited to have on the Champs App podcast, Caitlin Parker, who is the assistant coach at the University of Connecticut. She's originally from Bellingham, Washington. She played her prep school hockey at Gilmore Academy in Ohio and then went on to play at Colgate University, where she was the captain of the team for her last two years. After college, she immediately began her coaching career at Brown University, where she spent two years before coming to UConn in 2018, where she has been the assistant coach for the last three seasons. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Ray. I'm looking forward to it.
0: So great to have you on the podcast. So why don't we start out just like we do all our guests, if uh, you can share your hockey history starting out in the, on the West Coast in Bellingham, Washington.
1: Yeah, so I uh, grew up skating at the age of four years old and how I got into hockey, um, played soccer and basketball growing up, but actually my neighbor was Garth Butcher. So for those that are NHL fanatics, um, he played for the Vancouver Canucks with his last team and then moved to Bellingham. So he has five kids and two of the kids, Ben and Carly, are right around my age. And so um, Carly and I played soccer together and we did learn to skate together just to help our families out with carpooling. So got to start skating at the age of four and then um, played boys hockey growing up in Bellingham for the Walkham Warriors, which is the local association there and, and did some different camps and whatnot. And um, just at the time where I grew up and girls hockey wasn't super big in Bellingham, obviously Washington State is still growing in the girls game and um, was fortunate enough where I'm located close to the border. So I was able to play a lot and do skill development stuff in British Columbia. Um, but just given some of BC hockey's rules, it's hard to play up there. Um, so I ended up my junior year going to prep school in Gilmore at Gilmore Academy, which is in Gates Mills, Ohio. So a little different, um, Caitlin, can I ask you
0: some questions about your, before you went to prep school?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of so course.
0: How, how long did you play with the boys?
1: Um, so I played with the boys from learn to play all the way up and I continued to practice with them through my midget, um, when the midget year there. So that's, I guess now would be considered U 16 or U 17. Yep. Um, and yeah. Finally, had to make the transition to girls hockey just when hitting became more prevalent, but played through Pee Wee and Bantam with the boys as well. And again, I think it was just given my geographical location. I didn't have a female program. So it was kind of that only option. That was the rink was 10 minutes from my house um, and then skated with the girls at different events and and in Seattle for the Washington Wild would skate with them sometimes and and played a season with them as well once I hit that midget age, but would practice with um, the Wacom Warriors once a week as well.
0: So what were the pros and cons of playing with the boys during that period? Um, because we actually have an article specifically about that uh, oh, yeah, on the no. Champs
1: App website. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think everyone's path is different. And what was right for me, it was the time where I lived. Um, playing with the boys was awesome. And, and I didn't ever feel like it was anything different because that's all I knew growing up with it. Um, but it was, I think one of the pros for it is I learned to play with my head up, especially p year when hitting was, that was introduced to us then. And, um, learning to play with your head up is a big thing. And as you get and continue to grow in the game, um, the girls just get faster, stronger and bigger. So learning to be able to take and absorb a hit or not put yourself in situations where, um, you're gonna get that dummy pass and it's really scary because some defensemen might step up. And even though there's no contact, we all know if you watch college hockey, there's contact. Yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely a pro. And just um the game was a little bit faster as well back then. And, and being able to push myself in that that avenue and playing with the boys was definitely a pro. I think one of the cons was um there was only two girls. So it familiarity of someone that was going through it with me um, I didn't have that necessarily but the boys and, and I still have them and really lifelong friends with a lot of them were like my other brothers so that was cool and they always accepted me and um, I never felt isolated but again I think that was a very unique situation and a lot of the group that I played with we all started skating and learned to play together so it was kind of like that family that kept moving up and kept moving up together. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: One follow-up question on that. So did you feel that when, by playing with boys for such a lengthy period of time, that really helped you when you got to the college level?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it did. Um, again, the guys that I grew up playing with were super competitive. So I think that sparked the drive as well within it. And just seeing them be successful in junior hockey and where they were going. Um, it made me want to be successful. And I, my journey obviously was a little bit different than theirs. And uh, a good number of them actually went on to play collegiate hockey, but um, it was just different. So I think that helped spark kind of that, that dream and the drive to want to keep up with them and to continue to stay at that level. And so whether that meant, hey, like I've got to shoot a lot more pucks or I had to start a strength and conditioning regimen a little bit sooner maybe than some other people were used to, um, I do think it helped. And then also just being able to play with your head up at the college level is so important. And, and where I'm fortunate enough to sit now, we're only seeing the game get faster and girls are coming in stronger. So I think the level of play from even when I played has increased so much that I do think it helped me just be prepared. And, and again, the physicality of the game coming from high school hockey into college hockey I was able to adapt, I believe, a little bit quicker, maybe, than if I hadn't. But, like I said, I think everyone's journey is different, and yep. there's no right or wrong path to get there. And, and my journey was what it was.
0: And, but it's very consistent with kind of what the research has shown that that yeah. that, that there are several d- specific skill development attributes that come from mm-hmm. playing with boys. All right, yeah. so how did you end up at Gilmore Academy?
1: Um, yeah, so I was actually I was playing with the Washington Wild um, in a local tournament, or not a local tournament, just a tournament, and. Um, One of the assistant coaches, Natalie Zytek, who is actually still at Gilmore or had just come back to Gilmore, um, was at the tournament recruiting, which was a whole new concept to me and my family um, because my brother played soccer growing up. And so my parents in the hockey world and the hockey parents, they didn't really know what to expect at all. And um, I had a great family friend, Alana Collins, who had played at Dartmouth and she was a captain at Dartmouth and um, she was actually married to my men's or my boy's. Coach growing up. And so was fortunate enough to have that resource. And she went to Hotchkiss. Um, and so she had mentioned that hey, maybe prep school would be a good thing for you if you really want to play college hockey. It's hard on the West Coast to be seen. Um, maybe that's a, a different avenue, like if you're looking for it. So kind of been introduced to the idea of prep school, but not fully yet. And then um, yeah, coach Zytek saw me and another one of my teammates and, and approached me and my parents and were like, hey we really think this would be a great thing for her to come out. And um, so my mom and I did a, we flew out to Ohio and and checked out the school. And one of the things that was so intriguing for me um, was that Gilmore had two sheets of ice in, so two rinks in one building, and they had a strength and conditioning um, center in the building as well, which a lot of prep schools required. You play two or three sports. Gilmore didn't have that requirement. And then um, at the time when I was there, it was a U19 team that would go right into the prep school season and when prep school season ended, your U19 season would pick back up. Um, so it was just a perfect fit. And I knew, like, hey, if there's ice and I have free time, I have the ability. Like, that's within my control. I can work on my skill set. Um, and the weight room, like, I knew that for me, like, to be successful, I needed to get stronger and faster. And so just the resources there made it a perfect fit. And super happy I went. Um, obviously, leaving home at 16 is not ideal, probably for – the, the kid me and my parents as well but I'm just so thankful that they gave me that opportunity and I was able to really learn what it was like to live on my own and I think that helped my transition to my freshman year of college a little bit smoother and easier and um just the people I met at Gilmore are incredible like they're my lifelong friends they came from so many different backgrounds and we all shared this unique commonality of, of ice hockey and and we were able to do some really great things and and so I was very fortunate and still am today like for my time at Gilmore and I think Without it, I don't know if I would have gotten to full gate.
0: So let me ask you then: the flip side to it, though, is: do you wish you would have gone there sooner? Do you wish you would have gone when you were fifteen or fourteen? Um, because oh, you're, you're coming in—you're coming in midstream. A lot of relationships with the players are already established, and and especially at yeah. school, w- do you wish you couldn't have mm-hmm. gone sooner?
1: I don't know. Um, I think it was at that point in my life that I knew I really wanted to play college hockey, and I don't know if my freshman year. I was quite there mentally yet to make that jump as well as to leave home. So I do think it it would have been interesting if and maybe, hey, I got asked that my sophomore freshman year. I think the junior year was awesome for me. And, and it was just the right time that I was committed to trying to put basically all the iron in the fire to see if it would work. Um, and so I was ready, I think, more mentally where I think my freshman and sophomore year, I don't know if I would have made that leap of faith yet.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So before we get to you playing at Colgate, what's your favorite youth hockey memory?
1: Oh gosh, that's such a hard one. Um, but it would probably have to be, um, so I played with uh, Jeff Eaton and the the team Pacific team out of uh, British Columbia. And we had like, we did these skill developments together and all this um, like we, this spring training and we went to actually in Winnipeg, um, the subway classic. And we were just a team from BC and we ended up winning the whole thing. And I think that was my first experience of playing on a super competitive female team and then winning and having the success and, and just having trained with those girls all spring and the spring prior. Uh, it was so much fun. And our dads had, like, rented minivans. And it was like your typical, like, we were playing knee hockey in the hallway and there was an ice cream spot. And, and winning something for us in our eyes was a huge accomplishment. And um, they treated us well. We got, like, jerseys that said champions on them and everything wow. like that one of the ones I tapped back into a lot of it. And a lot of those girls that I played with there um, are still my friends today too. So it's, it's really, really cool.
0: So now let's move on to you getting recruited by Colgate. How did they find you and why did you choose Colgate?
1: Um, Yeah. So a super interesting story. I uh, actually, my junior year of high school at the end of the year um, in the summer, I completely blew out my knee, which not a lot of people knew about. Um, I was at a camp and um, just, blew it out, which was very unfortunate and had to get straight, locked in a brace um, at at zero degrees for six weeks. Um, So that was a super, it was really hard for me because I never really had a huge injury. I mean, I had stitches and the occasional broken finger here and there from basketball, but um, this was like a very big injury and hearing like, hey, you're going to be out for six weeks and you won't be able to like move your leg. And um, it was wild. So um, didn't get to do as much as I thought I was going to be able to do my my summer going into my senior year, which at that time recruiting was that was your big summer and, and leading into that your senior year and that summer and spring were huge. And and then all of a sudden I felt like I'd missed out on that opportunity. And um, so finally was able to come back and recovered from the injury and and had to work super hard to get back, which I think taught me a lot of life lessons along with it. Um, but was playing in the polar bear tournament and uh, assistant coach from Colgate was there recruiting and um, just reached out and got to chat with him a little bit there and um, went on my official visit at Colgate and just fell in love with the school. And I'll never forget, I, I came in and another assistant picked me up and we're driving to campus and you look up and the lights are on the hill and I, I called my mom afterwards and I'm like, yeah, I think I want to go to the school. And my mom's like, you've been there for six hours. Like you don't even know, like you haven't been to class or anything like, yeah, but it was just a feeling there. And, um, but it was a great relationship that I had and, um, very lucky that I was able to come back and play in that tournament. Cause I don't know what my path would have been without that.
0: Oh, that's nice. Awesome. And um, so let's talk about your career at Colgate. Um, So one of the things which really stands out was that you were the captain for two years. So what were you doing up to that point that impressed your teammates and the coaching staff um, in the the behaviors that you demonstrated to get you into the position to be named captain?
1: Um, Well, my my time at Colgate was quite interesting. So my freshman year um, was Greg Fargo's first year at Colgate, um, and his staff. So it was Greg Fargo, Josh Skiba and Corella Mard. And, um, it was nice cause I didn't know anything different. Um, so coming into a new staff, new idea, there seemed to be a new energy in our locker room and, um, was just very fortunate to have learned from great leaders. My freshman year, we had an outstanding, there's three seniors. I, I think an outstanding captain Jenna Jenna Kleinstra and, um, you just, you kind of learn from them and how they operated and how the team functioned around them. And um, so again, learn by example, I guess there, and, and just try to bring a certain level of attitude and work ethic. And I thought the rink was the best spot to be every single day. And like class was hard at some days or, you know, different things weren't going well, but like the rink was consistent. So I think that energy there that able to bring, um, it was awesome. And so just learned and and just kept trying to do my best every single day. And um, I had a great group of teammates and, and I don't know, maybe I tricked them all into thinking something or not, but um, yeah, I was very fortunate and it was just a great learning experience um, throughout my first two years there and just tried to bring a certain level of work ethic and energy every single day to the rink. And um, I hope that was contagious for them.
0: And so where did the leadership come from? Did it come from, like, off-ice, strength and conditioning, you know, uh, what you do outside of the (laughs) rink, you know, uh, of being, you know, a good leader and how you spend your time? Was it during games? Uh, Was it during practice? You know, like, would you say stuff in in the locker room in between periods? Like, what specifically, leadership-wise, you know, how how did you demonstrate your captainship, so to speak?
1: Um, I think I just value connections with people. And that's a big thing is – getting to know your teammates and you spend so many hours and the the collegiate ice hockey schedule is August through March hopefully and but just getting to know them and valuing what they have to say and getting to know them outside as people um, for me was super important and, and I think that helped me because I knew if like hey I'm talking to you Ray I can address you in a certain way if I'm talking to my college roommate and Rando I can address her in a certain way and But you have to have that connectivity and know who they are as people before you can just assume that. Um, So I think that was one of the things that I put a lot of emphasis and value on. Um, And everyone is different, but everyone matters and, and brings value to our team. And it's, yes, it's a group of individuals, but collectively, like, how can we bring everyone on the ship and the boat to make it go in the right direction? And if someone falls off, hey, how do we bring them back on it? So just trying my best to to figure out what makes people tick, and and it's not. I think it's a science to it. There is a little science around it as well. And um, but yeah. So that I think that was my big thing and emphasis of like, man, everyone matters. Everyone's brings something different to the table from hockey playing perspective, but also from a character perspective for our locker room.
0: Gotcha. And so you mentioned, uh, you know, you were there when Greg Fargo uh, was first started at Colgate. Uh, We recently had Chelsea Walkland, who is now an assistant coach with Greg um, at at Colgate. So one of their slogans is we play free, which is around creativity and decision making, yet part of a team environment. I'm curious, was that already manifesting in the first year that you were there with greg um and was was that part of how, how do you have that we play free which is more around in, individual creativity you know with combined with what you're describing of how to still be part of a team
1: um so we play free was not around when i was at uh, colgate and we were just in a very different time setting there and and i think from freshman year to senior year um, there was a lot of growth that happened for our program and that program and and that group. So my freshman, when I was a senior, the group that I worked with this freshman year was Jesse Aldridge um, and Bree Wilson Bennett was there and Annika Zaleski and Olivia Zafudo and Julia Van Dyke. And so some very great hockey players that helped them a couple years later, make it to the national championship game. So. Um, we adapted. And, and I think where we were, we, we didn't have maybe the horses in order to play the style that they play now. Um, so we actually played pretty structured, which is funny because how they play. Um, but I do think one of the things that Greg did so well um, is he made all his players feel valued and like their voices mattered. And, and being in a leadership role there, I think I, I sat in a very different seat, maybe some conversations and other people were privy to. Um, but was able to express like, Hey, this is how the team's feeling, but he put a lot of emphasis and trust in that. Like he knew we had a pulse on the team. And, um, and I think that type of mentality, you could tell now that he does that with his players and allowing them to express themselves creatively on the ice and make decisions, make plays. And Hey, if you make a mistake, that's okay. Like, are you working to get back? Um, so I think it started in maybe a lesser context than where they're at now of like, But that same value and that same um, respect that he showed us and and creativity really of like, hey, this is your team and and run with it. And like, yes, there's parameters we need to follow. But I think that's where it started. And now it's translated onto the ice. And and again, where they are talent wise and, and the players they have coming in, I think they can do that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's, that's some great insight. So (laughs) uh, before we move on to your coaching career, let's, um, when you look back at your playing career in, in its entirety, what would you do differently?
1: Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's hard. I think my, I, I, I love my Colgate experience. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, it's just such a special school and, relationships that i made like i'm going to my college teammates weddings and they're having families and to be a part of that i think shows how special the locker room was that those connections still hold true today and and yet something more than just we're teammates they went the the bond was deeper than that so um i think if i had to do it all over again um i i would have probably stayed more summers i only stayed uh two summers but i would have stayed in the summer and just continued to try to perfect my craft even more um, then it was there. And, and I think looking back, that would be one of my, my changes. And and maybe I would have not taken chemistry my freshman year either. I <laughs> would have been it too.
0: <laughs> All right. but, but in hindsight, you're probably happy you took your chemistry course, even though
1: exactly, exactly. It led me into the major that I actually fell in love yeah. with.
0: Yeah. So actually, that's a good question. So how, how, how much have you applied your environmental studies and geography uh, degree that you got from <laughs>
1: Um, I can, I'm really good at reading maps and like figuring out the best way, like direction wise, if we're driving in the bus right now, uh, not too much for my seat, to be honest with you right
0: now. (laughs) So actually, so let's talk about this. So you immediately upon graduation then went into the coaching rank. So can you describe that decision and how that came about, came, why you wanted to become a coach?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So no, actually, um, right after graduation, I was an energy broker in Boston for three months. Um, So that's why I guess you could say I was using my degree and and had that connection through that department. Um, And the nine to five desk life was not for me. Like I remember I'd wake up in the morning at 645, get in the office by 730 and would be counting down the hours until lunchtime and then would take the hour lunch and then you count down the hours until um, you got to leave for the day. And, And it was just such an interesting change because I was always so happy like every day like going to the ring, going to class like i was so happy and, and loved what i was doing or studying or who it was with and this to me was like a total 180 from that experience and so i just thought there's something else out there and um, the brown opportunity came up and again i'm so lucky for the connections and, and people in my corner that i have and so i called greg and i called josh Giva, who now is the head coach at union and, um, was like, what do you guys think? Like, I'm really interested in this. And they they were great. They offered great advice and and they helped reach out on my behalf. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it because what do I have to lose if I don't go for it? And was very fortunate to, to get that opportunity and 180 from what I was doing beforehand. And I was like, man, I feel like I have the best job in the world. I go to an ice drink every single day. I work with like elite level athletes and, and people that are Ivy League students. And they're balancing it all and like i'm teaching hockey like it was awesome so um it was a complete 180 and you're super fortunate that i was able to have that opportunity and and it's really propelled me into what i'm doing now
0: gotcha so what what's so coming from a scholarship school to now coaching at an ivy league school what are the differences um especially from a coaching perspective between the two types of schools
1: yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ray. It was, it was different. I mean, obviously Ivy League kids are driven in a way that um, sometimes scholarship kids just aren't driven and um, they're there, they're either on financial aid or their parents are paying or they're paying for themselves. So there's a certain level of just desire to be really good at both. And I, I think it's, it's everywhere, whether it's a scholarship school or not, there's that, that drive within internal and if you're making it to this point in your athletic career, like you're going to have that drive more or less probably academically as well. Um, but there's a different level of, of school and and they just, they want to be so successful at everything. And I think that is one of the, the hardest parts is the balancing act sometimes for them and, and just trying to figure out how to balance like Academics, athletics, but then also your college kid too, right? And you're trying to make friendships and and relationships and connections outside of maybe both of those realms in a way. Yeah. And and so seeing them trying to do that, and I give them so much credit because they were able to do it. And our season is hard, and it is long, and it's a lot of bus hours. And um, it was it was just it it gave me a new sense of of purpose and gratitude for what they were doing every single day and the effort they were bringing to the rink because I knew they were doing it not only for us in the couple hours that we had them coaching, but also in the classroom as well. So just super proud to, to be their coach because they were truly balancing it all.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Great. So how did you end up then coming to UConn?
1: Um, so yeah, just lucky. Um, I had I met Chris McKenzie, uh my first year actually on the road. And he probably won't even remember this story, but we were at Nationals in Detroit and he came over and talked to me. And um, I remember thinking, like, this guy's awesome, like just just a good guy to talk to and, and was so nice to me in my first year when maybe you don't have to talk to the new coach, and that didn't matter to him. And um, he just knew I was a coach and he wanted to get to know me. And then um Casey. Um, who's the other assistant here as well um he actually re- recruited me while I was at Gilmore and he was the head coach at Newman too so that was funny this was uh right after my knee injury and so i had gotten to know him a, a lot and then camps and and whatnot and just continued to get to know him but um was very fortunate did an interview and um, came to yukon and um, just knew like this is a place that's going to be really special and a place that i want to be a part of and from a, a career standpoint learning I played at a scholarship school in the ECAC. I'd coached in the ECAC at an Ivy League school. So very two different things. And then um, joining a different league, which was really intriguing to me, as well as a, at a great sports school, um, which is one of the things when your premier sport is a women's program and our women's basketball player and our program, like I was like, this is going to be awesome. And um, so it was just a super awesome opportunity. I'm so thankful that somehow I ended up here and, um, that they, they decided to hire me.
0: <laughs> so tell, tell us about, uh, the University of Connecticut. Uh, it's based in Storrs, Connecticut. Um, yeah. you t- talk about your rank. You have the, uh, Mark Edward Freitas ice forum. It's not a nice ring, yeah. It's a nice forum. And, <laughs> it's a forum, yes. <laughs> and and, and t- tell us about your, the hockey facilities for the women's program.
1: Um, yeah, so we have a, our own facility here. Um, it is awesome. We share it with our men's, our men's program, but, um, it's right on campus, which is great. And then in terms of just weightlifting, strength, and conditioning, we have got a bunch of new facilities right in kind of like a little athlete village, you could say. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And everything's walkable within athletics. And um, we're able, we have free ice in the morning and, and our practice slot is, is pretty good as well.
0: Nice, nice. So let, let's move over to the coaching staff now. So as you mentioned, uh, Chris McKenzie, he's been there nine years. Casey's been there eight. So you're the new kid on the block. I um, am. <laughs> and I do know that Chris played in Finland, and his mm-hmm. sister was the national team coach for Denmark. So I was wondering, has he brought any of those you know, unique training methods from overseas to, to the team?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think just the way that the Finns and what he experienced, the way they approach their sessions and puck touches and their creativity – um, something that he's brought over to our and, and relying on that experience as well. And, uh, just what their training regimen was like. And again, that was a, little bit a while ago. He'll probably kill me if I say that, but, um, uh, I think it just, it was a unique experience for him. And then just growing up for him in a hockey family with his sister and her success that she had, um, makes him a great coach for our, our players here because he's not, he not just didn't just play men's hockey like he experienced what the women's game was like when his sister was coming through it and now to where it's at so he's actually seen the growth a lot of it
0: yeah and he also coached at niagara uh, prior yeah. to coming to university yeah. of connecticut great yeah. so how do you divide responsibilities amongst the three of you
1: um yeah we're uh, our staff i think we just work really well in conjunction with each other and um we all have different personalities we all bring different things to the table and Um, so the responsibilities, I mean, I, I mostly work with our forwards, um, Casey with our, our D and then Mac just oversees all of it. Um, but we just, we work really well together and, and we try not to overload too much on each other's plate. So, Hey, like I'm, I'm dealing with some travel stuff and Casey's dealing with some video stuff and Mac's doing our scheduling or whatever it might look like for the day. But, um, we just, we do a great job, I think, communicating with each other and, and just trying to, to make our program run as smoothly and as organized as we can.
0: And, and I know we have a lot of goaltenders and their parents always remind me to ask about the goaltender. So what do you do for the goaltenders as well? So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes, the goalies. Well, actually, fun fact, we I think we might have the only lefty tandem in all of college hockey. So if any goaltender parents want to look that up, Kia um, Chan and Sam Carpontiel are both lefties, um, which is very unique. Um, in the goalie aspect realm of things. But, um, yeah, I, I am very lucky. I get to shoot on our goalies during their goalie sessions. And and Casey works with our goalies um, twice a week, once or twice a week, depending on what the week looks like. And um, But I do my best to try to make sure I hit them where I'm supposed to be shooting. So it's uh, it's always good there. <laughs> All
0: right. And so what do you like during the game behind the bench?
1: Um. What am I like? Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, what, yeah, what do you like, like during the
0: game? Are you, uh, you know, very effusive? You, uh, very effusive? Are you a quiet demeanor? Do you uh, <laughs> talk to the refs? Do you talk to the coaches? Do you talk to the players?
1: Yeah, no, I am. Um, for me during the game, I think it's about the players, right? Like we practice all week and that's when we really get a stop and and really break different things down. But when it comes to the games, uh, we just want them to play confidently. And they all have the ability to make hockey players. Um, and so it's just little tweaks here and there, just talking to a player. Maybe it's just a, like pulling them aside. And did you see this? Did you not like try to see the game through their lens? Because it's a lot easier to see the game when you don't have the pads on and you don't have the stress of someone else coming at you and it's fast or it's a one nothing game. And um, it's really easy to do it from the bench. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I try not to be too critical on them because I know they've got a lot of stress coming at them and, Um, but yeah, and just try to bring a certain level of energy to our bench. And, and sometimes as you know, and with hockey ebbs and flows, there's really points of high momentum and sometimes really low points and, and just trying to be a consistent energy that, Hey, no matter what the score is, no matter how we're playing, like bring the energy and, and try to, hopefully that's contagious for our bench and for our players as well as, as teaching things that are easy to teach in a game. You don't want to overwhelm them because, um, you don't want them to overthink and now they're thinking about the last thing you said versus just make a hockey play. Right. And and that's one of the unique things about sports in general and, and about hockey is it's so gray that during the week we're not going to be able to teach you everything because yep. the game is uh, to me, it, what makes it so beautiful, right? It, you can't teach it all. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there's so many gray points of like, man, like we didn't cover what you should do when you're three feet away from the blue line and it's one nothing with 45 seconds left to go. So Um, just trying to help them out and Hey, if that's going to help them positionally wise for the next shift, let's chat about it. And if it can wait, maybe we'll do it in video that week coming up.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, teaching and decision making, especially in gray areas, is uh, something that I understand is re- really important to your team. Um, and yeah. so talk about like kind of the, the performance mindset work that your team has done to really yeah. kind of uh, basically perform at peak levels. So I, know, I know you brought in, in some outsiders to help you with that, but maybe yeah. you can describe what you've done to really kind of, um, you know, develop a culture and identity for the team.
1: Yeah, so we um, – one of the things that I think is so important now in, in recruiting and building a team is there's a lot of very talented hockey players, which to me is so exciting because it means the women's game is growing. And, and what is it going to be like in five years is, is super exciting. But um, when you have people that are so close in talent, what sets someone else apart? And, and for, for us and for me, it's, it's character. Um, what are they going to bring to your culture, to your locker room? What are they like when it's, I mean, Storrs, Connecticut, when it's, you know, 10 degrees out and it's gray and snowing and it's February, like you've been here for a long time. And, um, so one of the things that we pride ourselves on is just getting to know the people we are recruiting and the people that were in our locker room and, and very much so connecting back to when I was at Colgate valuing people and how to communicate with people is, is so important. Um, and making sure the message is heard and it's also communicated in a style that they, they can understand it. So, um, and I was lucky enough, we worked with this company when I was at Colgate as well as a player is coaching to connect and um just very fortunate. So we, we do disc profiles, which breaks down um, a player's personality trait, essentially like how they are in a normal setting. And then when you place them in a, a different environment and what traits come up and come down. So um these are drivers, so disc gets broken down. These are drivers, um, eyes are influencers, s is supportive, and then c is cautious and thinking. Um, so that's how it gets broken down, and, and everyone is made up a certain way, and there's no right or wrong or a great athlete, a bad athlete, a good human, a bad human based on your disc characteristics. But it's just different ways to communicate with your players. So, for instance, um, I'm an SI. So I'm in that supportive role, but also energetic. Um, So the way that maybe I would talk to me, I can't tell, I couldn't just start yelling at me because I would shut down, just completely shut down. Where if you're in that driver, so that D, you can lay into them. Like if they see a yellow light, they're going through it. Like it means green, like go. Um, So it's just different communication styles. And one of the things that I think helps our program and as as a coach to be able to connect with your players is so important.
0: And I believe part of kind of how you run the team is also creating a leadership council. How does that yeah. work? And, and what role do they play with the coaching staff?
1: Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's their team, right? And and I think our team and programs in a great spot culturally wise of they're taking ownership of it and it's their team. And we only know so much from our seats and, and they live it every single day and they're in the locker room and they're experiencing it. And so really giving them a voice but also valuing what they're saying and listening to what they're saying so having the leadership council is important it's got our captains on it who are already in a place of leadership but then also has different perspectives so we have sophomore sophomores and juniors in it as well so a sophomore's opinion or viewpoint on something might be a little bit different than someone that's been here for four years and just being able to have that communication of hey this is what's happening this is what we're seeing what do you guys think? Or what is it like for you guys? Cause we're only seeing it through a certain way. Um, so it just helps. I think it helps make us better coaches because now we're giving them ownership and really allowing them to own their success as well. Um, and, and be a part of it. It's not a dictatorship. It like we're in it together. Like they're working and, and they're doing putting in the work just as much as we are. So um, just allowing them to be part of that and part of those conversations and And it goes beyond hockey. Hopefully those guys being able to experience that and getting to know, like this is with the disc profiles, like this is how I operate and how like, it's, it's gotten our players to know themselves better. um, And each other better of like, okay, well, if I say this way, no wonder she reacts this way. Right. And, and so I think it's, it's also helping them for when they're done with UConn and when they go on to their, their next stages of their life of man, like, this is how I operate. And I know that, or, um, and just leadership, like being able to communicate their ideas and express themselves, I think is a huge point when they're trying to get jobs or they are leaders in their next kind of chapter of their life.
0: So, so that's great. So like, you talk a lot about team development, individual Mm -hmm. development, but at the end of the day, you as a coaching staff uh, need to win games. So (laughs) how do you trade off uh, development versus winning during the season, during a game?
1: Yeah, I think you're continuously trying to develop um, players from a hockey standpoint. So like their skill sets and and we practice a lot, right? Like our college is, it's the 35, 36 game schedule, 34. So you don't have too many games, relatively speaking, to when you start practicing to when your season ends and you practice a lot. So can we make our players better from a skill point on the ice and then can we develop them off the ice as, as human beings as well? Um, but I think it's, it's finding that level of, Hey, where are our standards and not allowing anyone to dip below those standards of this is, we're bringing our lunch pails every single day and we're going to work because that's, you can UCon- like, that's a Husky hockey way. Right. And, and there's a certain approach that we're going to approach practices with and approach our games with, um, that we're going to try to set up our team to be successful. And within that we have our core values that we, we have to touch base with. Right. So we're family, like, first and foremost, we are a family, we treat each other with respect, um, but you're committed to the process, it's, you're very committed to the process, whether that's academically, athletically, Um, it's hard to be a division one athlete, it's really hard to do it, and, but you got to be committed to it, not only for yourself, your family back home, who's supporting you in this journey, um, and to your teammates as well, because they're doing it, they're pulling on the rope, as just as much as you are, so that commitment level is something that it's an expectation standard, like you're, you're all in. Right. And then work ethic, like no slackers we're working like this is UConn. And, and again, I think having the women's basketball program right next door is they, they pride themselves on that work ethic and, and how much they've been able to succeed from that. And um, so we have a prime example, right, right there, which is awesome to use and be able to our players to experience those games and see that level of intensity as well. And um just trying to bring that every single day. So trying to get better and, and then from a coaching standpoint, just trying to prepare our players just as much as possible as we can. And Hey, this is what to expect on Friday night and on Saturday night. And if we need to make adjustments between the two nights, we're going to do that, but we're going to try to prepare you as much as you can. So you know what to expect, what's going to be coming at you. And there are certain things in place for, for you to have success. So we're going to try to set you up for success.
0: Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's, let's talk about the season. So obviously it was a challenging season because of COVID. Um, <laughs> yes. You can and,
1: say that again. <laughs>
0: and you know, we, we've talked about this with several other guests about, about, you know, having to deal with the, the challenges of the scheduling and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, you made the playoffs in hockey East, which is like, you know uh, a killer conference to be in you won yeah. you won your first game and you know um you know you're you're i believe you lost to uh northeastern which you know had a very successful year and went on to yeah, to, to play did. in the finals so um so i mean obviously and, and it was a very close game i believe it was 2-1 mm-hmm. so i mean obviously yeah. you played really hard and probably felt like you could have even won the game um yeah. <laughs> so let, let's just talk about okay well now that season's ended um you know looking back you know what did you learn and then what are your priorities now that now that the season has ended for the team,
1: yeah, COVID um, was a huge challenge, and I just am so grateful for our team and also just our approach to how we did it. And our sports medicine staff um, set us up to be successful in that. And, and I know they worked a lot of hours, and and our our um, our school doctor, Doctor Cassiero, and our athletic trainer, Megan Barry, like they went above and beyond to allow us to even think about playing a season. So very thankful. An immense gratitude for those guys. But um, COVID was a roller coaster. <laughs> Needless to say, you think you're going to be playing a team and you're, you're practicing Monday through Thursday, you're trying to prepare your team a certain way. And then Friday morning, someone tests positive, you can't play. Um, so it was always trying to prepare for the unknown in a way and, and just prepare like you're playing. And if you're not, that's okay. But at least we knew we were playing. And and for us, our approach this year was stay healthy first and foremost, as much as possible. And um, I give our team a ton of credit because we didn't have a single member of our program test positive for COVID all year, nice. which is is really hard to do when you look around the country. Um, so just very fortunate that they were able to prioritize that and, and take care of business in and, and that standpoint. But um, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. But um, I think one of the things that, we always just tried to make the rink as fun as possible this year because there was no set schedule with COVID, um, that, Hey, like let's make the rink an enjoyable place to come every day and let's make sure there's fun. They're getting better on the ice and, and that we're just ready to play hockey games when, when the name is called, like we will go anywhere. We'll play anyone. Um, and we ended up playing Boston college, uh, five times in the regular season, just because that's how it worked out. But, it was one of the things that, hey, like, let's play as many games as we can this year and, and given the parameters and, and do it in a safe manner. So um, COVID year was, was hard, but I also think it just showed resiliency of our, our group too, of, um, the emotional roller coaster, you're playing, you're not playing. But then when it came time to business, I, I there was just a new mentality around our group that we were ready to go and, and we were on a mission to do it. And um, I think we played really, really well in, in both hockey playoff games. Um, and we're, it's a one goal game, right? So it's a difference of a goal there. And, and Northeastern's a great opponent. And, um, I thought our team, like we did everything we could to win and, and, and they're just very good and obviously making it to the national championship game, they represented our league and, um, it shows how hard our league is. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a good year. And I, I think too, when you come up a little bit short at the end of the year, it pulls you into that next year of you know you really want it. You really, really want it. And we've been fortunate enough to be in a a spot where we've played in the hockey championship games um, in the last couple of years, a number of times. And and we're just so close. But I think next year, we've got a really good group coming back that has had that experience. Um, And so I think that drive and that desire to make it there and not only make it there, but win the whole thing. Um, I'm just super excited to see what next year holds because, it's close. It's close. And it's in a game of inches, right? Everything's close, but I think it's going to, it's going to propel our group and, and just a different mentality from the very start of next year. And hopefully next year is a little bit more normal. <laughs>
0: gotcha. So, uh, so let's transition now into your spring and summer. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I saw you're going to be, you and your staff are going to be at several recruiting events. So, you know, what is it that you're, you look for when you're looking for the, the ideal Yukon Husky? Player.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and I think it, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. Is there's a lot of talented hockey players. Um, so what makes you special, and what what is your part of your game that that sets you apart, maybe from the other Sarah or Jane in the locker room? And um, just stick to that. Like, be the best player that you are. Um, because we, we need different types of players, right? That makes that team where, hey, we're going to need goal scorers and we're going to need penalty killers and we're going to need defensemen that are shut down and we're going to need those, those defensemen that have the ability to jump into the play. So what makes you special? Knowing your strengths, I think super important and don't forget about your strengths, continue to work your weaknesses and then just be a great teammate and human being. And, and that character piece is something that I think a lot of programs put a lot of value on um, and when it comes down to being such a small percentage of talent wise, most likely a team's going to lean towards the, the kid that shows that character and that resilience, because we know what it's like when you're starting August to March and it's a long season and it's hard and man, like, what do you like on your best days? But what do you like on your worst days too is super, super important. So um, I think that's some of the things we look for. Um, obviously we're all trying to find the most talented hockey players that want to come to our schools as well. And, um, take care of school, too, because those will open up a lot of doors from you.
0: Actually, I forgot to ask this a little bit earlier, you, but so. I'll ask it now because it's related to recruiting. Do you make um, potential recruits take a personality test uh, before they come to uh, to UConn like to, for, as part of the process of recruiting?
1: Yeah, we do uh, DISC profiles. Yeah, so everyone that's in our program now has a DISC profile. Um, And so we know it. Everyone knows it. We communicate it. We talk about why it's important to us as a staff and to our program. Um, So everyone in our on our team has a disc profile and they all know what each other are. So it is it is a big part of our program. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. All right. So uh, last question, last hockey related question or recruiting related question. Uh, (laughs) What advice do you give to parents or players who are now just entering the recruiting process, especially since there's been a year of hiatus? Uh, Now, as we get into June, hopefully the, uh, the recruiting window is back open in June.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I tell you what, I've seen the inside of my apartment walls too much. So hopefully we can get out on the road here. But um, just, I think the the best piece of advice is do your research and homework. There's so many great universities and programs and different style coaching staffs. Like, What makes you want to go there? And it's maybe it's a hockey-driven reason. Maybe it's an academically-driven reason. But do your research because it's such a great, great number of colleges and and what may be perfect for for me might be not great for you and and so do your homework on it and and really try to nail down like this is why i want to go to that school and that because is super important and um so that'd be my biggest piece of advice do your homework on us because we're doing our homework on you guys and um just do your research on the school the hockey program what it has to offer academically and then continue to work hard it sounds super cliche but i think if anything this year has taught us that um we're very lucky to have our hockey community and and the people around us but also um, i think we're going to see the true athletes that come out of this of those that were willing and and able to adapt relatively speaking and and if you couldn't get into a gym where you were you doing body weight stuff or were you trying to to get better in the ways that you could and so I'm looking forward to getting back out on the road to seeing kind of where the growth has been over this last year, because it was a weird year, but I do think there were plenty of opportunities for people to still continue to improve and develop.
0: And will uh, University of Connecticut be having a hockey camp this summer? Uh, I know you traditionally have had one in the past.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I think we're we're kind of in that waiting game right now. We're gonna try to do it if we're if we're able to, and and just waiting for the COVID restrictions in the state of Connecticut to see what that opens. But if it opens, heck yeah, we're gonna have one. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right. So, how can folks learn more about the program? Where can they find you? Uh, what info can they provide on online and uh, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. et etc.
1: Yeah, so they can follow um, our program. It's UConn W H O C. So UConn Whawk um, on Instagram and Twitter. And then UConnHuskies.com as well has everything for our program. And, and I encourage those guys to look into it. Um, yeah, and and just reach out with any questions that you might have. And if we can talk to them, we will. And if we can't. Um, we'll talk to you when we can.
0: <laughs> awesome. Caitlin, hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Champs App Podcast. This is great. It was great to hear about your background, you know, your being a captain and the, the team dynamics uh, at UConn. So this is really phenomenal. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Ray. It was awesome. And, and I just appreciate you doing this for our score. I think um, it's putting all these programs on a unique platform and, and helping grow the game of women's ice hockey. So thank you very much for your time as well.
0: I really want to thank Caitlin for coming on the podcast. It was great to hear her perspective on player development, as well as her thoughts on enhancing player and team performance, both on and off the ice. I'm sure she'll be using some of these skills in her new gig, and we wish Caitlin the best of luck with the Seattle Kraken. And remember, if you got something out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like, follow, subscribe, and even better, if you could leave us a review, so we can keep sharing this important hockey information with folks just like you.